0: Hey, it's Jose Galisson, you're watching No Way Jose, you can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, also all the major audio podcatchers and Odyssey as well. Today my guest is Ken Silva, just to remind you guys how this works, today uh, if you're watching on the 2nd of August, this is a live stream, Uh, if not you'll get it roughly about a week or so later when I drop it from behind the paywall uh yeah the, if you want to be able to have it in the meantime you do patreon.com just no way jose 2020 the lowest level is two bucks the highest level is 20 and those are my sponsors i'll read them off every episode i have cd mcray of the whiskey and tea podcast jeremy uh who has an etsy store at etsy.com slash shop slash raising liberty uh also you can follow him on twitter if you want at jeremy rhymes i have mikhail thorup of the expat money show as well uh, i think i forgot to give credit to the intro to uh to my buddy Justin Campbell at JCamp1521. Uh, if you want, you know, an intro or anyone to do, you know, podcasting type uh, related stuff or the video editing, he's uh, he's your guy. Go hit him up. I'm sure he'd be willing to, you know, do some commission type stuff if you uh, hit him up for that. Uh, uh, yeah, today we're going to be covering the Michigan Governor kidnapping plot, Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, that was a big story a while ago, uh, and I have a big guest in about a week relating to it. Uh, so, and this is going to be kind of like a, uh, I guess, a kind of primer to let you guys know, uh, give the basics. That way we don't have to fucking uh, uh, get um, boiled down in that in the episode that's coming up soon. But with that, uh, oh at toplobs.com, you associate at checkout for uh, 10% off. Uh, he has my, all my art. He has a bunch of other shows' art. Uh, he has his own you know, stuff that uh, he sells there, merch, so uh, go hit him up for that. And with that, let's get Ken in here. What's up, Ken? Hey. Hey, uh, pleasure to have you. Uh, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are, what you do, uh, maybe some of your body of work.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Ken Silva. I'm a reporter of some 10 years, currently contributing to uh, the Libertarian Institute, uh, primarily uh, covering uh, domestic terrorism issues uh, and researching, along with Richard Booth, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing and all the mysteries related to that. Yeah, Richard Booth, Richard's actually the one who sent me over to you. So, uh,
0: yeah, because uh, I uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say it now. Brandon Caserta of the uh, uh, for, you know, for the audience. Uh, which is, I guess, the way I see him, he was kind of almost like the poster boy in a certain in certain sense. Uh, you know, I guess the one that you saw a lot of pictures of, uh, of this case. Uh, he, I got in contact with him with, through one of my fans, and he's supposed to be coming on next Thursday, so that would be the 11th. Uh, so it'll be he'll be coming on then. Um, and I hit up Richard initially to be like, hey, I'd like to get someone who's you know uh, knowledgeable in this. And I knew Richard was just something he was very interested in. And he's like, well, you got to get Ken. Uh, That's who you need to get to to come on with you. Because I figured it'd be good to have a co-host. It's a little bit more knowledgeable on it with me. Uh, And I also thought, you know, I don't know, maybe on the off chance you want to write something, I don't know what kind of questions you may have in mind for him. Uh, You know, so I I figured I'd give someone the opportunity because I think this is his second, uh, you know, um, uh, interview of this type of uh, one. I guess he's done one with a reporter or or journalist of some sort. And then he's also done another podcast. So, and this is the only other one. So it's kind of, kind of newish. So, I mean, barring any unforeseen circumstances, you should be coming on next Thursday. So mm-hmm. that's how I got in contact with you. Uh, you were, uh, I, I take Richard's word on on this. So, um, you've done a lot of work covering this case, the Michigan case. Uh, so let's uh, let's start off with. I I, I want to kind of get what the official narrative of what happened. Uh, in relation to this whole story. And then we can kind of go into what the real story was.
1: Sure. So the official narrative was, you know, we had the terrible COVID-19 pandemic and uh, the governor locked everything down and some disgruntled far right extremists, white supremacists uh, were so upset about not being able to go to the gym that they decided to get together and plot to capture the governor of Whitmer. And thankfully, uh, thanks to some patriotic former Iraq veteran who decided to become an FBI informant and continue to serve his country, uh, he saw this on Facebook, reported it to the feds. The feds sent him in as an informant. I think they sent in another informant and began to turn people and make them informants. And before you know, you had about 12, um, you know, just as many informants as you did, people ended up being arrested. And the FBI kind of controlled uh, controlled the plot. Uh, they had an undercover agent sell, uh, pr- set up a uh, meet to sell explosives to the defendants. Uh, on the grounds that you know we have to you know keep a close eye on these guys and make sure everything's controlled so nothing gets out of hand like like it did with Oklahoma City and before the, these dangerous extremists could do something crazy and hurt somebody our our great government saved us <laughs> all
0: right that, that checks out um, All right, I guess let's go ahead and start picking at what the hell actually happened Um mm-hmm. Because I mean, I guess you kind of alluded to a little bit there how there are so many informants, and uh, you know this this has a this has a lot of it's kind of weird that this came this kind of fell on my lap as the next thing as I'm working on the working on the OKC thing with Richard because there are a lot of uh, a lot of parallels uh, you know all the informants and such, uh, but it is kind of weird when you have I don't know. I don't remember the exact number of people let's say you have 15 people and 12 of them are informants mm-hmm. it's kind of like okay but this seems like it was mostly you, but I I, I guess I'll I'll get, I'll let you, let you take that and kind of, you know, start going into, uh, you know, I guess the larger narrative of, uh, you know, what actually happened type deal.
1: Yeah. First of all, I should note that there were at least 12 informants. That's how many that have been documented in court records. There could be other feds though, you know, the government hasn't even disclosed, but um you know, there's been a a lot of reporting on this. Uh, Pretty much the informants drove this plot. They were the ones, um, at one point, I think it was Adam Fox was in a car with three other people supposedly scouting out the governor's house at one point to, uh, you know, for the eventual kidnapping. And Adam Fox was with three other informants. So that Kind of shows you that the FBI was literally driving this plot, and, and there's plenty of other examples, and not of all of it, unfortunately, has, was allowed in court. Where you know FBI agents are telling their informants, "Hey, this the get these guys to uh, incriminate themselves and make it seem like there was a conspiracy to kidnap the governor." And uh, yeah, there's tons of text messages related to this. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, as we'll discuss, not all of it was admitted into evidence, though.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't know if you do, – do. you are you aware of any specifics that weren't admitted into evidence? Or would you just uh, – do you have any specifics there? I guess I'm kind of curious what didn't get admitted. If you yeah. know, uh, I don't know if that's something you would even know if it didn't get admitted. That was because in know? the
1: pretrial hearings, uh, the defense was trying to get this – Uh, to be allowed to present it to a jury where it would be um, one of the key informants, a guy named Dan talking to his handler and his handler is, you know, trying to even expand it to uh, set up a conspiracy to capture another governor. I think the governor of Virginia, and this is documented in text messages and uh, the judge didn't allow it because they said it's hearsay though. So yeah. Yeah the judge really stacked the case against the defendants.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard cause you do have to parse through uh, and I guess maybe as your journalist mind, you're just stating the facts, but I guess maybe this may require a little bit of editorializing to what vibe did you get to what extent there actually was some sort of plot and to what extent this was just, cause I know a lot of this, uh, the, the vibe I got from stuff Ring a lot of it was just like them shooting the shit, drinking beer, smoking weed and kind of like, you know, uh, running off of the mouth and like uh, i don't know i've been on the internet for a while i know if you take things out of context you know i, I was i was big into the boob boy movement when that was a thing for a moment and then i kind of you know i mean mostly just was mm-hmm. funny memes but i can see how things can be taken out of context especially when you take people of this type of mindset and group them together how you could 100 percent take things out of context or get them in moments where they're just shooting the shit and kind of like well what would you do if they did this kind of deal uh so i guess i kind of went your vibe of like what to what extent was this actually a plot or was this just guys shooting the shit?
1: Well, it certainly wasn't any kind of coordinated plot. There's isolated damning statements. um, And it depends which defendant we're talking about. Uh, I guess the guy you could make the biggest case against would be Barry Croft. And he says crazy things like, Oh, you know, if, if I got to kill a fed, I will. And you could tell him Barry Croft did it. Uh, But again, this has nothing to do with an actual plan to kidnap the governor. This is again, a guy just shooting his mouth off. And like you said, this is after informants got them drunk and high, uh, which is a violation of the attorney general's own guidelines. Uh, They're not allowed to do that according to internal Department of Justice policy. Uh, But now that kind of proves that these guidelines don't have any standing in in an actual court of law. Uh, I think the guidelines are there because, you know, to make the FBI look good on paper and because these are things FBI agents should do. But if they break their own guidelines, as this case has shown, you know, they're still willing to use this to try to throw people in cages.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely get the vibe. They probably were hoping it wouldn't get as far as it did or maybe they could squeeze these guys to uh, plead guilty or or what have you. Uh, Cause it's, it's my understanding. Two of them did plead guilty, correct? Uh, or, or maybe it's more or less.
1: Uh, two of them pleaded guilty. One of them, Ty Garbin uh, pleaded guilty uh, right off the bat. And th- there was another guy, Caleb Franks, who initially um, pleaded not guilty and made numerous motions that we, uh, some of which we discussed with his uh, fellow defendants, including motions to allow these text messages between the informants and their handlers to be admitted. And it's when those text messages weren't allowed as evidence and some other motions he made were shot down that he kind of uh, broke under the pressure. And I heard uh, an interview with Brandon Concerta saying, you know, he's a coward, this and that. And I I, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I know he ratted on his friends. You could say he's a piece of crap for doing that. But I would never, you know, try to be a tough guy and say, oh, I would never have done that. Because you got to imagine this guy was under, you know, the pressure of the full force of the federal government. And at the last second, he switched. And, you know, he testified in favor of the government. And even though the government's case collapsed, he's still in jail now. So. I almost feel, you know, the worst for him because if he just would have stuck strong, he could be free right now, or at very least they would, I think the jury wouldn't have reached a decision and he'd probably be ready for a retrial.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have to know more context before I could really shit on him too hard. Uh, Cause I don't know. Did he have a family? Did he have, uh, you know, kids whatever, but if you're just a single guy and you rat-, rat out your friends like that, yeah, it's pretty shitty. Uh, I mean, it's still kind of shitty either way, but I can at least sympathize with you if you have something else going on. But, uh, yeah, I-, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess on that – I had a question. I forgot it on that one. Got it. Uh, yeah, uh, so do, do we – he said he testified against him. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, who all got off and who is still in – Who is still, or that you know of is still going through the ringer right now? Because I know Brandon got out. Uh, I know that, that for a fact because, I mean, he's going to be coming on next week, uh, mm-hmm. ho- hopefully. Um, and I guess he pretty much got off scot-free is how it seems,
1: That's obviously.
0: Okay. Yeah, and uh, once again, to, I guess uh, – I didn't know what I was going to say. I was going to say to to kind of sympathize with the other guy, I kind of can see the desperation and why you would turn because – I mean, for one, I'm sure they're telling them all sorts of things, and two, in a situation like this, I mean, the past dictates. Normally, this isn't how these things work out. Yeah. Normally, you're fucked. Like, if the Fed, if the Feds come after you for something, very little, rarely do does the people win out. Because uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming you write for, you're writing for the Libertarian Institute. I Assume you're of similar, uh, somewhat similar philosophical bent to me. Um, yeah. I mean, this is literally. Uh, I know we like to think of this as checks and balances stuff, but it's the government deeming if what the government did was bad. So, I mean, at a, at a very simple level. Yeah, I get it. They're different departments, whatever, but let's be real. Um, it, the, decks are, the deck is stacked against you. It's it's not in your favor here. So I can sympathize with him there. But I, I guess the question I, I wanted to ask was just kind of who, who else has gone off uh, so far that you know of?
1: Uh, yeah, Daniel Harris and Brandon were acquitted and then Adam Fox and Barry Croft are set for retrial, which actually starts next week. So this podcast is very timely. And uh, meanwhile, there are also three guys who are set to be tried on state charges, Paul Billard, Joe Morrison, and Pete Musico. Uh, They're charged with providing material support to a terrorist organization. And I I, kind of wanted to go into this because I think it's been undercovered. And I got to say, these guys are in a tough spot because I think the prosecution's bar is lower for the state charges than it is for the federal charges. Uh, Providing material support to a terrorist organization, all the prosecution has to convince a jury is that the Wolverine Watchmen was a terrorist organization and these guys kind of participated In training sessions, maybe they, you know, donated money or provided some kind of weapons. I think one of the guys claimed he had C4, which was a lie. But uh, so theoretically, all the federal people can be acquitted. But if a jury still thinks that the Wolverine Watchmen are a terrorist organization and these state guys participated, uh, they can still be convicted. And that trial, I believe, is to start uh, next month.
0: And uh, with the Wolverine Watchmen, it, it, maybe I miss – correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I get the vibe they're just kind of almost a subset of the three percenters. Am, am I wrong? Because I know there was some sort of three percenter organization or it was just kind of they were operated parallel uh, type deal um, or no.
1: Yeah, I guess you could call them sister organizations, but the, the three percenters were is, um, a national network that was pretty much totally penetrated – by the feds. Uh, The Wisconsin head was one of the key informants in this case, Steve Robeson. Uh, He's the guy with a criminal track record, you know, longer than my arm. He was uh, arrested in the 80s and participated, uh, turned fed back then. And he ran the Wisconsin chapter. Uh, I believe there was another fed, I want to think her name is Jenny Plunk, who ran another state chapter in Tennessee or something like that. And again, I think it's against the AG's guidelines to have feds actually be in charge of organizations, but they did it anyways. Uh, So, yeah, to answer your question, you know, they're kind of related organizations that collaborated. At one point, they made Adam Fox the leader of the Michigan three percenters and made him an admin of a Michigan three percenter Facebook group that was set up by the feds. So, I mean, it, it just shows you the. The ridiculous you know conduct by the federal government in this case
0: yeah i mean that is kind of crazy they're going to try to try them on uh providing material um i forget what the word was but uh <laughs> support to uh to a fed- to a terrorist organization because i mean unless there's something substantial they have to provide uh, i that like flies in the face of the second amendment militias uh, uh, I know that I guess this is really nothing to be surprised. This is a result of, you know, things like, uh, you know, the Oklahoma city bombing, you know, can, making militias kind of have the stigma they have. Also, then you can put tie in Patriot Act type stuff, how we just kind of willy nilly label organizations, uh, milit- or a uh, terrorist organizations. And they've been kind of wanting to label militia things as terrorist organizations for decades, if not longer. And, I think uh, this would set a rough precedent if that would happen. I know you said be on the state level, so I guess it wouldn't be a federal thing. But still,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how this hasn't been tossed out of court yet. Yeah, because as you said, you know, how do you even prove this organization is a terrorist group when they never committed terrorism? But I guess it's just I don't know how they were able to put this in front of a jury, but they are, and now it's just going to be a matter of persuasion. I mean, one guy, Paul Bilar. He quit the group in July and they were arrested for the plot in October. So he's, I go into meetings in Dublin, Ohio, and Michigan, uh, you know, early during the lockdown and then in the summer. And then he just quits and goes back to the East Coast. But then when they make the arrest, they still went and grabbed him. So, I mean, the rule of law is dead. Like the state case is almost more egregious than uh the federal case because there, yeah there's there's nothing there really
0: what what is the read you in this because it sounds to me it's like grasping at straws and that way they can have something it, it kind of reminds me a lot of the whole trump thing where if uh i'm not a big trump guy uh, so if anyone i for one i don't feel like i even need to caveat that but you know for those who if there's i'm watching i'm not a big trump guy i'm a full-on anarchist uh libertarian but you know in the interest of fairness the whole you know the whole russia bullshit was bullshit and you know through and through and if you talk to any you know fully blue-pilled lefty today they'll be like oh well there were three 300 people arrested or, or tried for this and and this many people got convicted and it's like okay yeah but they got them on this and that and this and that and that's kind of the vibe i'm getting here is that they're trying to some extent save face that way You know, people who still kind of buy into the kayfabe of the state uh, can, you know, have something to be like, oh, no, no, look, look at this. Uh, As opposed to I feel like at this point, anyone actually pays attention is completely, you know, know, dismiss this entirely because this is I honestly initially for me, the first time I heard it, this sounded silly to me. I was like, there's got to be more to this. But, you know, I was like, "Okay, whatever interest of fairness, I'll wait till more comes out. Uh, but yeah, I guess is that the feel you're getting? This is reaching at straws, trying to find something, throwing anything at the wall, trying to get a stick, or or what the, is this?
1: The state trial was scheduled in September, what like nine months ago. So uh, as far as the state trial goes, I believe that the government uh, coordinated, you know, state prosecutors coordinating with federal prosecutors and the FBI. They thought they were going to get convictions on the federal level back in March and April. And then they were able to, you know, once they had those convictions, it would be easier to prosecute the state case. And of course, that's fallen apart. And now, yeah, the trial starts next month. So theoretically, I guess they could scramble, they can get these federal prosecutions, um, get guilty verdicts, and then that'll make their state case a lot easier. So yeah, yeah. Like you said, bureaucracies. I guess just bureaucratic inertia is why they want to retry, save face, and also, it, you know, if they get convictions, God, you know, forbid. In this federal case, then that'll make the state case a lot easier for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's touch a little bit on the Facebook aspect of it, which I think also kind of weirdly has a. If you look at it from the larger frame of things, it's kind of you know funny as well. Uh, because you know, we've been hearing for you now probably the past few years the, the bit it seems to be the powers that be kind of want to shift things more domestically, more ter- internally. You there's been multiple times where we've heard big, uh, you know, whether it be politicians or uh, full on feds say stuff along the lines of oh, uh, white supremacist uh, militias or or what have you, or those are the next big problem, and how this is a huge thing. But anyone who really actually pays attention to these things, it doesn't really seem to be that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But then you they whenever there is a one, it's completely blown out of proportion by the media,, uh, and most of the time it ends up being nonsense. Um, so, but I do think it kind of is a you know it kind of funnily funnily, funny enough plays into uh, plays into the whole Facebook aspect of it because I know you wrote an article about it. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts or or can you kind of give me the brief rundown of what was going on with the Facebook side of things? Because it is kind of ironic and I do think it's worth mentioning, although it is a little bit just silly, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mentioned it before and the first time I heard about this was during the trial. Uh, One of the defense attorneys mentioned that three of the three percenter Facebook pages were set up and run by federal informants which that brings us to the beginning of the case and raises a lot, or the beginning of the whole saga, and it raises a lot of questions for me, because remember, supposedly a guy was scrolling on Facebook and saw this extremist activity and reported it to the feds, but did he see you know, the feds' own pages and then reported it that to the FBI? That's kind of a question I have for Brandon, because it would seem, yeah, like, you know, the memes or the FBI guy on the computer or the Spider-Man's pointing at each other. Like, that could have been how this whole case spawned in the first place. And uh, another question is, I I can't imagine how Facebook hasn't been sued for this behavior, because they're violating their own terms of services by allowing this to go on. So that that's kind of a question I have for Brandon, is if he is planning on suing Facebook, you know, suing the FBI is going to be tough because the government has a lot of immunity, as you know, but I I got got to imagine that Facebook's conduct is very illegal.
0: Yeah. It is kind of weird when you talk about uh, dealing with social media things, it's whenever it comes to like, I'm no lawyer, but it seems to be like you need some sort of large, uh, you know, uh, group or person. Cause I know, uh, what was his name? The, uh, the big anti, uh, the big. Not, I almost said anti-vax, but the big anti, uh, you know, COVID vax guy, uh, Baronson. I know he yeah. got back on Twitter recently, yeah. and he because he sued Twitter, and they settled out of court. So, but it. I mean, that's the, one of the first times I've actually heard of that being successful to any extent. But it was kind of a big one. So it's almost like, I, I don't know. You, you need something big to make it happen. I, I think is what it seems like. So I, I don't know if this would be the one that would do it. I mean, possibly uh is actually in the chat right now uh i said yo it's Caserta. i'll be on next week for sure brother you can confirm uh stay armed stay free y'all yeah i'll see you next week um i guess um so i is there anything else specifically on this case that you feel like is pertinent to bring up before we bring on brandon next week uh, specifically just to, you know, make sure people are aware of what it is. Cause uh, the main purpose of this was that I didn't want to, for one, I had an opening too. I also wanted to, I felt like if we just brought on Brandon that we would get like, you know, uh, caught up in trying to give the basics of what happened as opposed to just rolling right into it. So I wanted mm-hmm. to give my audience, cause that's kind of surprised. I was talking a lot of friends at work and stuff, you know, people are a little bit more conservative and most of these people weren't even aware of this case. And I was like, what, this is a big deal. So I figured it made sense to kind of remind the audience of what this was. So I guess just for like the basics or, or what have you, is there anything else you want to bring on this before we move on?
1: I guess the, uh, the politics behind this is kind of interesting. Uh, I think Brandon was kind of behind between a rock and a hard place because the media and the mainstream painted him as a far right extremist. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the far right or the Trump supporters saw him, saw the, the A anarchy flag and some of the videos he was in. And hey, that, that's, not a far, that's not one of us. That's an anarchist. He might even be Antifa. Yeah. So, you know, he was getting it from both sides. And I'll be really interested to uh, talk to him about that and see, you know, were any of these guys even Trump supporters? Were, were these, uh, you know, uh, libertarians or, or guys who think Trump's like not far right enough? Uh, That's, yeah, the politics behind it. And then the conduct of the FBI agents themselves, uh, just the basics, Uh, three agents involved in this case. One of them was charged with perjury in another case. Uh, One of them beat the shit out of his wife and had all these inflammatory anti-Trump posts on his Facebook page. And another had his own private cybersecurity business that was making these cryptic tweets in like september and october saying oh we're uh, a big a big arrest is about to happen and we're about to make something you know something in michigan's about to go down and so pretty much he was trying using this case to uh lend credence to his cybersecurity company called x intel and again none of this was allowed to be presented to a jury it was uh I don't even think the defense tried to enter evidence about the one guy beating up his wife because that's kind of irrelevant, but everything else seemed you know, very pertinent to the case to me.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny you brought up the uh, politics aspect with uh, Caserta because uh, uh, you know, I watched the same uh, podcast you are referring to. It's the only other one. But um, yeah, it's funny. I, I do remember explicitly when the, his photos were first dropped out, trotted out a lot of the uh you know this is why i said he's kind of the poster boy is this is the the first face people zoomed in on uh you know everyone was trying to make this the face of you know trump's america you know uh trying to be like oh look at this you know uh i don't know degenerate white trash trump whatever you know type thing and then and then you know the trumpers came out with oh look at this anarchist flag behind him and oh he's antifa you know i uh you know uh and you know coming up with their whole whole you know line of things and i watched that podcast and uh hearing him talk he sounds like one of us um very much um i i I would i am interested to ask him kind of what his influences are he said he's a voluntarist so that can mean a million things i'm kind of i'll probably ask him who is uh who he reads because as opposed to asking what your label is i feel like sometimes it's easier to be like hey what are your major uh literature influences on your philosophy so um, it, that'll be interesting. But uh, he, it is kind of funny they used his face because I can kind of sympathize with him. If you see him, he's kind of a gruff looking guy, very tatted up, uh, pretty muscular. And I'm sure, you know, I heard him talk and he's actually sounded very intelligible, very smart guy. Uh, so I'll be interested to talk with him because I do think uh, what it was is people just saw the face and made a whole lot of assumptions. And, you know, I, I kind of ha- can deal with that as well. I'm not like the smartest guy in the world, but. I've dealt with that a lot in my life. People look at me and just immediately assume I'm an idiot. I usually play into it. And, you know, I'd, ra- I'd rather just trick them with intelligence when it comes in in handy later. You know, it's better for people to underestimate you. But it, it, I just thought there was something interesting there. But uh, before we close, I kind of want to know what, what other things would you like to talk to about Brandon next week? Because uh, I'm kind of curious. Like I said, I brought you on because, you know, just on the off chance, I figured, you know, And just to kind of, I wanted to find someone who writes on this type of stuff, because I'm sure this is kind of a scoop. Uh, So I didn't know if there were any angles you wanted to hit on uh, aside from just the political. Because, I, like I said, I I wanted to bring on someone who does this type of stuff to kind of, I don't know, help out. For one, it helps to be knowledgeable, too. On the other hand, you know, if you make some content of it, that's great. If not, whatever, Uh, either way.
1: Uh, So I'm kind of curious, what other things are you looking to talk to Brandon about? So this question will probably take him, um, you know, 30 seconds to answer, but I'm wondering if he can actually be used as a witness in the trial, if that's even legal now that he's been acquitted, can his uh, Adam Fox and Barry Croft bring him up there and say, Hey, well, this guy got found not guilty. You know, I got to imagine the judge wouldn't allow that. And that's probably the answer. Uh, That's one thing I want to ask. The other thing I want to know he said on his interview that you know follow me on Facebook, dude. Why are you still on Facebook? That company like <laughs> almost got you thrown in jail. So I want to know why the hell he's still on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- those are probably two two questions I have uh, right off the top of my head. All
0: right. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more in between. Uh, I mean, I can sympathize with that. Though I'm on Facebook and Twitter still, and I bitch about them. But I also try to go on other platforms as well. But. I mean, until something better comes along, it is what it is. You're dealing with what you're dealing with. Even if they
1: try to throw you in prison? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, although, to be fair, I mean, I, I bet you he's a little bit more like, all right, I'm not, uh, I'm not d- doing any of that anymore. Uh, I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. Because uh, I, I will be interested to talk to him. Because it sounds to me, the vibe I was getting is that he was kind of trying to, in the heat of the lockdowns, he kind of had a similar type look as a lot of us had. Like, Hey, when you start grouping up and that's kind of vibe, I got, uh, and that's kind of where this came from. I don't think, and I, yeah, it was a militia, but I I genuinely think he was, it was more to create contacts for if things, you know, go crazy, go sideways, create, uh, you know, parallel economies, that type of stuff. Um, so, but yeah, I guess we've kind of covered all of it at this point. Uh, I see you in the, in the chat, uh, Drew Hancock. Thank you. I do think I look very nice. Uh, someone pointed out my uh, thing that said "a uh, nice herpes scar" earlier. No, this is monkeypox. Um, nice, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, if you want to go ahead and drop your plugs again, and we'll go ahead and get out of here, and we'll 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 see all of you guys again next week when you tune in for the Brandon interview.
1: Yeah, Ken Silva. You can find me on Twitter. I think my handle's jd underscore cashless as an homage to one of the uh, homage of one of the greatest uh, journalists of all time, JD Cash, who. Uh, did a lot of the work that underpinned your and Richard's discussions. So yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I appreciate that you coming on and I'll have you on again next week when me and you interview Brandon, I'm looking forward to that and I appreciate all you guys coming on. This is no way Jose show. It's on YouTube. All the major auto podcasters i see as well. If you want to follow me on social media at uh, Senor Jose 2020, uh, I get nuked all the time. So uh if you want to follow me somewhere else, you can follow me on Facebook. I don't really do anything on Facebook aside from drop promos, but if you want to get in contact with me, that's a good place to do it. I'm Jose Galison on there. Uh like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And with that, we are out.